I'm Dawn. And I'm Ashley. We would like to welcome you to the Work It, You Are Worth It podcast. Where two friends sit around and talk about healing, growth, and healthy relationships. Hey, Ashley. Hey, Dawn. How are you today? I am great. How are you? I'm good. It is a beautiful day, a beautiful evening. It is sun shining and weekend. I'm, I'm great. Yeah, we uh, so for listeners, right? It's we normally record on Monday nights, and tonight we're recording on it's a Sunday. Um, I my son has a senior awards uh, program tomorrow night, so needed to move it. It's gorgeous here as well. It's actually we we've, we've been record highs. It registered in my car yesterday, ninety seven. Today registered at ninety six. It hot. It it is hot here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that definitely sounds hot. It was. I think it was only 80 here today. But oh, that's that, beautiful. It's been absolutely beautiful. So we have a topic from a listener. Really excited about that, this topic. Hypervigilance. I at first was like, hmm, I don't know. And then I had a sponsee call and we actually discussed this. And then I decided I like this topic. I was, but definitely, I love this topic. I, I love when we get topics from listeners. Because I never know what to expect, right? I'm just like, hey, what are we going to talk about? Well, let's talk about hypervigilance today. That's what came up. Okay, sweet. <laughs> it's like, okay, I can do this. And I think it, what it does is allows really higher power to, to work and actually speak through us. So I'm going to let you go ahead and start because I know how excited you were about this topic. What is hypervigilance? Like, what is the actual definition of hypervigilance? And... What I find is hypervigilance is a condition in which the nervous system is inaccurately filtering sensory information and the individual is an enhanced state of sensitivity. And I want to read this definition that I just found from MedMD. The elevated state of constantly assessing potential threats around you is often the result of a trauma. That is what I knew the definition of hypervigilance to be. Read that for me one more time. Sure. Hypervigilance is the elevated state of constantly assessing potential threats around you is often a result of a trauma. And I'll continue reading because it does have a little bit more. People who have been in combat have survived abuse, or have post-traumatic stress disorder can exhibit hypervigilance. PTSD can be caused by a wide variety of incidents. So my hypervigilance is centered around other people's emotions. I started at a very young age trying to predict what people around me were going to do based off how they feel. I know I did this because of the abuse in my home. I know I did this because of the abandonment. That was my survival mechanism, was to try to figure out what they were feeling, because if I knew what they were feeling, then I knew how they were going to act. To this day, I am still hypervigilant of other people's emotions. Literally, one of the very first things I do when I speak to someone, when I walk into a room, even... On our podcast with you, I ask, how are you? And as you give me your, me your answer, I listen for the hidden connotations. I listen for what you don't say. And if I'm in face-to-face with somebody, I actually search their eyes. People have told me, it feels like you're trying to look into my soul. Stop it. Because I need to know their true emotions, not the masked emotion that they're choosing to show. That is where my hypervigilance comes from. And part of me believes that's also... What an empath, right? An empath is someone who can easily identify other people's emotions, who can easily feel and read other people's emotions, even when they are hiding them. I believe that is how empaths become empaths, is that they are hypervigilant of other people's emotions. Therefore, they learn very quickly how to read them very accurately. So... 
in my opinion, hypervigilance is a response to my codependency. Uh, my codependency comes up in hypervigilance because most of the time I am in a fearful state. Now, I, not now, I'm not, but in the past. I was always in a very fearful state. I was not safe. Yes. And it wasn't so much for me as, it was emotions. I'm not saying it wasn't, but it was more than that. It was also people's actions, their behaviors. Because for me, words and actions, words and behaviors Words and feelings never matched up. So I never could, nothing ever made sense to me in a way because none of those things were consistent. And so I was, I've always had to be on alert to be paying attention to everything a person did or said, trying to figure out how it impacted me. And how it would impact me. Because I never knew. My parents were big, huge yellers. They were, you know, my dad was, like, and you know, my dad was abusive to my mom. But for me, it was always a yelling situation. My parents yelled at me. And their actions and their the tone of their voice and their words just never were consistent. So I never knew what to expect from people. Yes. And, and hypervigilance is a way of controlling my surroundings. Yeah. Because it was the only way I knew to feel safe. There's I found this it there was a thing that says what does hypervigilance feel like? And I really liked this. Hypervigilance is a state of increased alertness. If you're in a state of hypervigilance, you're extremely sensitive to your surroundings. It can make you feel like you're alert to any hidden dangers, whether from other people or the environment. And that actually came from Healthline.com. I love that. It can make you feel alert to any hidden dangers. Now, I want to point out a couple of key things in that sentence. It does not say it can make you alert. It says it can make you feel alert just because i feel alert to hidden dangers does not mean i am actually alert to hidden dangers so if i walk into a room full of people and i immediately start scanning everybody's emotions so that i can feel safe i've got to you know figure out what each and every person's thinking and feeling and doing and then again before before my recovery, I have to insert that because as I say that, it feels wrong and I don't do that anymore. <laughs> um, if I am doing that, then true dangers that are hidden, such as, I don't know, a weak floorboard that I fall through while I'm walking in the room and I'm so worried about looking at all the people and assessing them that I'm not watching where I'm walking. I, I didn't notice that danger. Or the car coming that I'm so worried about looking behind me because what if somebody's walking up behind me that I don't notice that danger? I'm alert to, I feel alert to hidden dangers, but I'm not truly alert to hidden dangers. You know what popped in my head when you were saying that? I don't know how many times I would walk into a room and I would be looking around the room. So let's say it was a work event and we're in a conference center and so I walk into it would walk into a big room and I'd be looking around and I'd be like right my eyes would be darting everywhere and I'd be looking around because I'm I'm trying to figure find a safe place in this room of people that I don't even want to be around be with and do you know how many times I've tripped and then you're I'm talking a whole nother layer of not only fear, but now you have embarrassment. Shame. Shame. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I definitely see how hypervigilance has played a major role in my life. And hypervigilance still plays a major role in my life every day. And I can see how that has felt like a safety net but it has actually been more damaging. 
So when I say hypervigilance plays a role in my life every day still, what I mean by that is habits are really hard to break. Since I was three, four, five years older, and as long as I can remember, 35 plus years, I have worried about other people's thoughts, feelings, and opinions above and before my own. Um, above and before everything is other people's thoughts, feelings, and opinions. And I still will catch myself trying to determine what I should say or do based off what I assume someone else is going to think, say, feel, or do because of my hypervigilance, right? Because I think I can see what they feel. Now, with my recovery, just because that is my first thought does not mean that it is the thought, thought I felt, right? And a lot of times it's not my th first thought anymore, but it still tends to be a third or a fourth thought, or sometimes it'll even be a first thought, is trying to figure out what other people think. And then my second thought, or my follow-up thought, or a lot of times now my first thought, is other people's thoughts, feelings, and opinions are none of my business. And hypervigilance is the exact opposite of that. If I am worried or focused on or vigilant of someone else or something else, I am not focused on and vigilant of myself. If I am not focused on and vigilant of myself, I am not living my recovery. I am not living a healthy lifestyle. So hypervigilance can't be healthy. In my recovery, what I found is instead of walking into the room, going back to my example of walking into a, a group of people, this would, I would struggle with this walking into a restaurant even. It didn't have to be a big work thing. It could be a restaurant. Why I would worry about what everybody else is doing and thinking at a restaurant, don't ask me, but I did. I say frequently I was a really good codependent. Now I walk in... And what I notice is me. And what I mean by that is when I walk into a room, I walk into the room thinking about, Dawn, you're confident. God, look how far you've come. You should be so proud of yourself. You look gorgeous. There's just this air of confidence now that I have I did not used to have. Because when I'm not being hypervigilant on everybody else, I can be confident in me. And so it shifts from outside of me to in me. Now, my question would be this. What about hypervigilance in your recovery? What about hypervigilance in yourself? Is that a bad or a good thing? Can hypervigilance... I think it can be, be a bad thing. Okay. I do. I think it can be a bad thing. I can be addicted to recovery. I can put my life on hold and do, and do nothing with my life until I finish my 12 cents. I can be so focused on my thoughts and my feelings that I become inconsiderate. I can be so focused on my thoughts and my feelings that I become unaware. I can be so focused on recovery that I stop being understanding. So I agree with you. And here's where I'm going to give another thought on it. I think hypervigilance is a bad thing, but I think being vigilant is a good thing. There is a very big difference between hypervigilance and vigilance. In my opinion, vigilance is awareness. I have to be aware of what I am doing and who I am, and I have to be aware of who the people I am interacting with are. It doesn't mean I have to judge it. It doesn't mean I have to change it. But I do have to be aware of it. I have to be vigilant to make sure I put myself and surround myself with people that are truly safe. And when I'm using the word being truly safe, I mean that I'm not around people that would do bodily harm to me or be verbally abusive to me or assault me people yes. that, that yeah, I, I feel healthy and I feel safe with from a place of authenticity I think being vigilant is a very good thing 
I think being hyper vigilant is a bad thing. Is a really bad thing. My dad once told me, and he said this. He was he was such a smart ass when he said it. He was really being a smart ass. But he said it once in a way that uh, made a lot of sense, and it really stuck with me. He once said, "Everything in moderation, including moderation." That's good, actually. It's really good. <laughs> now, I was being very controlling, and I was being way overly moderate with everything, and that's why he said it to me. But it's 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 very right. Everything in moderation, including moderation. If I go overboard on any one thing, it can be too much. It can be bad. It's funny how a five-letter word, just being hyper, makes this the difference between being something bad and being something good. And I think that happens in a lot of our words. So how do you go, how do we go about, I mean, I know how I did, how do we go about identifying when we're being hypervigilant? For me, it's when my thoughts are everywhere else. It's been such a long time since I have felt hypervigilant. It's been such a long time since I have felt like I needed to get the hell away from myself. And and that that's, for me, hypervigilance is that feeling that I need to run away from me because I'm so full of everything else. Do you feel hypervigilance in your body? And we talked in the last podcast about, you know, how we feel feelings and, and thoughts. Do you feel hypervigilance in your body? I think it's more in my brain. I, I don't know really how to uh, describe it. I don't. Can I try? Like I, yes, and yeah, yeah, please. Because I actually am very aware of how my hypervigilance was. You know how you, I, this is the way I picture it, is there's a ball in my head and it's literally bouncing off all the brain, off my, all the walls of my brain, just over and over, bounce back and forth. And it's like, yes, that's what it feels like. That's what it, when you asked me if I could describe how it felt, I, I was literally sitting here with my eyes shooting in like 50 <laughs> different directions. Yes. Like up, down, back, forth, left. Like it's, it's like this super intense barrage of thoughts. I haven't felt this and in so thoughts, long. And oh my God, my yeah. head is like, ugh. It's crazy to intentionally bring myself back to this feeling is, is very different for me. But yeah, it's like, it's like a barrage of thoughts, and all of those thoughts are about other things, other people, others. None of those thoughts are about what I want, what I need, what I feel, what I think. They are about what somebody else wants, what somebody else thinks, what somebody else needs, what I'm supposed to do, what somebody else asked for. What None of them are about me, and there's a crap load of them coming in from every different direction. It's super intense. So last week, I had a situation that probably would be the closest to this hypervigilant feeling that I've had in a really long time. So I want to go to Texas, and I want to go and spend three weeks, right? I, I get to see my son twice a year. So he wants me to come. He, he told, Dylan told me the other day, he's like, come well, as long as you want, mom, I don't care. But I know that by three weeks, and that's, we're driving there and driving back. So two and a half weeks is what will end up being there. But I, he is out of school. He tells me I'm out of school in July. So July is a very, very busy time for me at work. We're closing a quarter. And I don't know if I told you the story or not, but I might've, but it really now, it's hypervigilant, so I'm sharing it again. Mm -hmm. And we're doing a complete overhaul with something at work. And so June close, which due in July, will be the first quarter this big thing happens. And so it's going, we don't know how anything's going to look, reports and all of this. We, we have no clue. Obviously, there's some stress around that. And know that it would be unfair of to my coworker, to even consider taking any time off during those three, four weeks that we're busy. That just would not be fair, and so I won't do that. On top of that, my ex-husband wants to take a trip with Colin, and his only downtime is the end of July. So I was, for about a day, trying to figure this out. In my head, bouncing it just it was bouncing everywhere. It was like all I could think about in a way because I was trying to make it work. And 
I don't want to say I was trying to make everybody happy, but I was really trying to be considerate of Mark as well because he is very limited. He works with um, security for cruise ships and cruise ships, the slowest time is the last two weeks of July. I was trying to be mindful of that as well and not over just, you know, just be like, screw it. I'm not going to worry about you. So I, w I really put some thought into it thinking Dylan was going back to school. You know, he's just off for July. Well, anyways, all of this. And I finally was like, okay, I can't do this. I, you know, I was asking HP to take it. Being honest, I wasn't giving it away. I was mm -hmm. hanging on to it, but I was asking him to take it away, but I wasn't giving it away. Still thinking about it, still ruminating, trying to come up with solutions. Yep, yep. Uh -huh. And so I finally was like, all right, Dylan called me. I was talking to him and I'm like, I need to know exactly what day you go back to school. Oh, and by the way, in this whole mix, Colin's starting college, right? In August. So that has yep. to be considered as well. So I'm like, Dylan, when do you go back to school? When is your last day of break? There's no point in going to Texas if he's going to be swamped crazy. He says, let me check. So he looks. He goes back August 21st. Guess when? Colin, oh, my goodness. Guess when Colin starts school? The 21st? Yeah. That's perfect. So now we're going the last week of July. And I, oh, and also in there, I was trying to figure out when I was going to get to go scalloping because you know how much I love to go scalloping. So uh -huh. ironically, there was a tri additional trip booked for the 22nd. So now I get to go scalloping on the 22nd. We're leaving on the 23rd. We're going to be there for three weeks. We're going to drive back. Colin will have a week till school starts. Mark says, oh, that's reasonable. When I stopped and got the hell out of my own way, everything fell into place. Because no longer was and I being... Isn't that how it always goes? It does. I wasn't... I was no longer being hyper vigilant. I just started being vigilant and asking the questions I needed to ask to gather data to be right, able instead to... Instead of having... Instead of having all of these thousands of thoughts and the what ifs and maybe this and maybe that and how about this and maybe this and instead of all of that, you got definitive date and it all fell into place. Yep. Isn't that interesting? It is really interesting. It was, I'm still very, um, and I feel like sometimes, like, I feel like HP was definitely, he always was working, but I feel like he was kind of, I feel like I had to go through that, like, because I feel like we always are going to slip back into those issues of, of hypervigilance, of control. And I think he, I needed to be reminded of Dawn. Things will work out. You just have to let go for a minute. And not say you're going to let go, not ask for help and not let go. Truly let go. And ask the right questions because that's what I wasn't doing. Yeah. Asking the right questions is important. And can and asking the right questions even of ourselves. It doesn't have to be on asking someone outside of us. It might mean I have to ask myself those tough questions and give myself honest answers. Absolutely. I mean, those are the important, right? Asking ourselves the right questions and giving myself an honest answer is very, very important. So we've talked a lot about hypervigilance and the ways that affects our lives. But what other hyper traits are there? Like, for example, hyper focus, right? I can get hyper focused on this one thought. And then all of a sudden, I have taken this thought and I have twisted it into this whole entire big story. I'm just going to use some random example, let's say, for hypothetical sake. Nick puts a code on his phone all of a sudden. He hasn't done this. This is not true. But we're just making an example. He puts a code on his phone all of a sudden. And I get hyper-focused on the fact that now his phone has a lock on. And all of a sudden, I've focused on this thought so long and so hard that now I've created this story in my brain that he put a lock on his phone because he's having an affair with a woman who's 10 times better than me and he's going to leave me and steal our kid and start a whole new life with her. Great story, Ashley. Great story. That's like, <laughs> that's what hyperfocus does, right? Does. And, and before my recovery, I used to do that shit to myself all the time. I'd walk into work and... Someone was having a bad day, so they didn't say good morning in the same manner, or maybe not at all. And so all of a sudden, 
I got to figure out what's wrong. And now I have found this one thing that I did wrong at work a week ago. And this person is stuck on it and they're mad at me about it. And that's why they said good morning in the wrong way when really they just haven't had their first cup of coffee yet. <laughs> you know, it's- I used to be really good at that. Oh, me too. Uh, you know, it's funny because that's one of the, the work examples are a really good example for me because there is definitely some tension between my manager and I. And I was very much, you know, she just doesn't like I'm not her favorite person and I'm not. And I'm not saying that is not 100 percent true. I'm just saying I was actually talking to a coworker the other day who is someone else that she is not fond of. And we were talking about it between between the two of us. And then all of a sudden, it was like he came up with somebody else and I came up with somebody else. And what I realized, this isn't about me. It has nothing to do with me. Wait, you mean it's not personal? No. No, it's not personal. It's not about me. Right. So you were so hyper-focused on her inventory mm-hmm. and the way which she treats you. That you were convinced that she just didn't like you. Yep. And then, once you spoke to someone about it and stopped being hyper-focused on the fact that you thought she didn't like you, the thought that she didn't like you, you were able to see that that, that wasn't personal. Yeah, it's not personal. It's not about just me. It's funny to kind of look back at where I was, and I've been in this group for seven years. I've worked for her for now seven years. It's obviously not that bad, or I wouldn't still be in that department. However, a big chunk of that time was in was before working recovery, and I haven't. I've let that go probably in the last year. But it took me a long time, even with recovery, to come to to understand. Like I can let it go. I can let her behaviors towards me go. I don't have to take them on. But I, there was still that story I was telling myself in my head of how she felt about me. But it's not just about me. So here's another um, word with, that starts with hyper that I, hypercritical. Ooh. Yeah. I can honestly say I have been very hypercritical in the past. Number, Absolutely me also. Number one person, my mother. And my husband's, but honestly, cons- consistently my mother. Yeah, I um, I was definitely, I have definitely been hypercritical of my mother. I was hypercritical of my oldest daughter, not intentionally, thinking that I, I could help her grow and help her. Never hypercritical of things she couldn't change, right? Her yeah. appearance or her personality, but... Like, I, I was hypercritical of her schoolwork. Oh, me too. I was hypercritical of her clothing, the what, what clothes she wore and, and how it appeared to others. I used to tell her all the time, reach for the sky, bend over and touch your toes. If nothing shows, you're good to go. But if something shows, go change your clothes. And, and that was like our, from the time she was probably five until she was 17, we would have that fight. I have that fight with my 11-year-old all the time. Your shorts are too short. You're not leaving the house in those shorts. Hypercritical of myself. Yeah. I guess that's probably number one. Yeah. You know, there's nothing There's nothing with, like, hyper-positive, hyper-loving. You know what I mean? There's <laughs> nothing that's a hyper-quality and then positive. So I cheated, right? I looked up words that start with hyper. And here's, um, so here's... I will read the list that they um, they gave. Obviously, hyper being over isn't overexcited. Hyperactive, which that is uh, the next word I wanted was going to actually bring up. I've been hyperactive a big chunk of my life. I was physically hyperactive as well, but just always busy. If I have things to do all the time, then I don't have time to think. Hyperactivity is is definitely a codependent trait. Not only a codependent trait, have plenty of other groups of people and, and illnesses and disorders or however you want to say it have. So yeah, I've, I've noticed that hyperactivity is pretty prominent in non-healthy living. So non-recovery living. When I am in my emotional addiction, when I'm in my addiction to other people 
I, I do tend to be very hyperactive because the more active I am, the less time I have to sit and think about my own crap. Yeah, I've, uh, that has definitely been very much of a pattern for me. Because if I was busy, then I wouldn't have to, it's funny because, you know, the ball bounce around in my head. I think of the hype, you know, that whole hypervigilance thing. And then I think of hype being hyper, hyperactive and I was physically being busy so I could not, I could distract my hypervigilance. Yes, I could relax the hypervigilance because I was being hyperactive. Yes. Absolutely. I did that a lot. It's kind of, it's, it's kind of a way of living in avoidance, isn't it? If I'm hypervigilant, then I don't have to think about what's really happening in the moment, here and now. I don't have to live in the now. I can think about the past. I can think about the future. I can think about John Doe or Jane or Joe or whoever. But if I'm living in my recovery, then I have to be in the moment. I have to deal with what is happening in the here and now. If I'm hyperactive, again, I can live in my unhealthy behaviors. I don't have to think. I don't have to be authentic. I don't have to worry about integrity or character. I'm going and doing, and I have too much to stop and think. If I'm just active, then I can just think it out. I can think it through. I can be clear. I've been told, and I don't know if you have experienced this or heard this, but I will sit down to watch a TV show or sit down to watch TV or a movie, especially a movie. And people, somebody, people would say, can you just sit still? Can, do, you, do you have to keep getting up? Why do you keep getting up? I could not sit still even through a movie. Not only was that right thoughts got in my head or all of that, I just sitting still scares me. Not, I don't want to say it does now because it doesn't. Now it does, you know, now I'm very comfortable with it, but it's a very, was a very scary feeling for me. Yeah. I mean, especially when things were going wrong, sitting still meant analyzing and that meant noticing my own inaccuracies mm -hmm. and um, that I couldn't handle my own inaccuracies at that point. I didn't want to think about them. I wouldn't I didn't think have about enough self-confidence. No, mm -mm, exactly. It's crazy how I never, until, until literally tonight, I never realized how hypervigilance, hyperactivity, I, I never realized how those things truly helped me avoid myself. That's really all it was about. If I'm hypervigilant on other people, other places, other situations, if I'm hyperactive with my body, then I don't have to deal or think about me because I'm so busy with everything else. So here's another one. Hypersensitive. Ooh. Always. Always. Man, I've been told my whole entire life I think the very first time I remember hearing this, I don't, I don't remember how old I was the very first time. Somewhere between um, probably 18 months old and three. I don't know. I was a toddler. And I remember I was getting picked up from daycare. Somebody at the daycare had said something, and I was telling my mom about it, and I was crying. And she looked at me, and she said, you are just too sensitive. You think everything is all about you. It had nothing to do with you. Stop being so sensitive. And... I can seriously remember for the rest of my life, multiple times, multiple different people saying to me, you're just too sensitive. You are hypersensitive. You are overly sensitive. And I was. I, I was extremely hypersensitive. Hyper has been a word that I've heard forever. You're hyper. You're hyper. You're hyper. So any of all of these words really apply for me. And I, yeah, like you, I didn't realize how, like, okay, listener, whoever who suggested this topic, good topic. Oh my God, this is such a good topic. So here's what I'm noticing. So I want to, I want to read the words that we've talked about tonight, taking off the word hyper, because they're really not bad words. Active. They're not. Active. Sensitive. Critical. Aware. Vigilant. Those things are definitely not bad. Even but critical. But when you do them too much, right. they Even, become bad. Very, very much. Even the word critical, which already has a slightly negative connotation to it, is not a bad thing. No, you have to be able to give and take criticism. If you are not 
able to give and take criticism, then you will never grow. Now, being hypercritical changes it. And I think that's really interesting. Again, this five-letter word, hyper, is the difference of healthy and unhealthy living. It's, that, that's, it is interesting. It is absolutely interesting. The word hyper itself, it really doesn't have an actual definition that I'm seeing. Beyond excessive. That's I, it. Above, beyond, or excessive. Okay, I saw overexcited. Yeah, I, I, it's interesting to, to hear how hyper, the word hyper, is used in one way, and it's almost always negative, and yet... I hear it said to people and about people without a second thought all the time. That person's hyper alert. That person's hyper critical. That person's hyper. Uh, that person is extra too much. Like, I don't see any positive connotation or meaning behind saying that someone is hyper anything. Or saying that someone is extra or too much, right? Because that's what hyper is, is too much. I don't know. It's just interesting to me that we talk about each other, even our children that way, all the time. And nobody thinks twice about it. And yet it has such negative connotation to it. I actually was looking to see if I could find anything positive about hyper. And no, and yet, how many times have you heard, oh, I'm just hyper today, or my kid is being hyper, or, yeah. oh, they're hyperactive, or, you know what I mean? I am very animated. I'm a very animated person, and I tend to be a bit loud. I have heard, again, most of my life, that I'm hyper, that I'm too much, that I'm extra, and I believe that in being told that and taking that in, I became hypercritical. I am, am as well a very animated, loud talker. My mom and my sister are as well. And some people love it. Some people think uh -huh. it's amazing. Some people, I was told the other night, we had a new person join our, our group. She's at the end, she's like, I loved seeing your smile. And when I walked in, you got so excited because, and it was like, I, like you knew, had known me forever. And I felt so welcome. Yeah. Somebody. I, I had somebody at work call me Sunshine. Yeah. Uh, I was a little quiet, and they were like, hey, where's the sunshine? You got my, you always have the sunshine. Like, because I'm very animated and happy and just something that popped in my head when we were talking a, a minute ago. And how many times I have, read. I have a 20-year-old, an 18-year-old, and an 11-year-old. And how many times I have quieted them, dimmed them, told them they were being too much, too hyper, too loud, too animated, too, right, I shush them or, or, or quiet them and bring them, try to bring them down in some way, shape or form. And I guess I just never realized what that does to them, right? I realized what it does to me because I felt it. When I'm too much for somebody else, it's very defeating feeling, especially when I'm really just being me and I'm enjoying myself. And then somebody comes along and tells me I'm being too much or I'm being too hyper. You know what I mean? Yeah. So do we, so, do we worry about the other person or do we just continue being us? Well, we have to just continue being us. And what I, what, what I, where my mind is going with this is I have to stop trying to get my children to be less yeah. loud, less hyper, less animated, less. My 11-year-old is just like me in that way. She is very loud. She is very animated. She is very passionate. And, man, we'll be sitting in a restaurant and I'll nonstop for the entire hour. Shh, you're too loud. Stop, you're too hyper. Jeez, you're so energetic. Knock it off. And she's just happy. And here I am trying to quiet that happiness. I mean, there has to be balance, yeah. right? I can't, I can't let her be all, like, she can't be jumping on tables and booths and screaming at the top of her lungs, right? She has to be respectful of others. 
and I have to be respectful of her. You know what I heard when you were saying, when you were telling her to be less, or saying be less hyper, be less this, be less that. You're telling them to be less than. That's what I picked up on because that's a feeling that I know, very personally know that feeling of being, of being told to be less than. And not... Right, dim your light. Right. Not be, be, do you, I'm not, we're not saying, you know, oh, go be, do more, go be louder, go be, but don't dim yourself. Don't be less than. Be you. Be who you are. Be authentic to yourself. And if that's, if you are loud and animated, some people are going to like it and some people are not going to like it. But as long as we're happy with who we are, isn't that all that matters? That is all that matters. That is truly all that matters. I mean, I am now going to pay attention to that. I am going to focus, not hyper-focus, but I am going to focus <laughs> on not trying to bring them down. Even myself, I do it to myself, right? I'll be in a really good mood and a good song will come on at work and I'll start singing and dancing a little bit and then all of a sudden I'll look up and be like, crap, people are around, it's being too much. <laughs> You're having way too much fun right now. Knock it off. Like, and what am I worried about? Embarrassing myself by having fun? Because maybe there's going to be somebody that sees you and be like, man, I love Ashley is just Ashley and is, is being true to herself. And they're going to put a song on. And guess what they might do? They be true to themselves. And sing and dance. Wouldn't that be amazing? And, and just by simply being me and being okay with me, it gave someone else permission to be that. And isn't that all now taking it back to this podcast and you and I isn't wasn't that our intention with this is just being able to be our authentic selves to show people it's okay to be their authentic selves absolutely you know I'm so glad you said that because I know the listeners have heard it I know maybe not if we've edited it out but I have been really focused on not interrupting and then apologizing for it when I do and stopping myself because, right, this is a podcast and I need to be professional and try to make it so it's not irritating people. And yet, part of who I am is that I get excited when something big comes into my brain and I just want to get it out. Not that I want to interrupt because your thought's not important, but because if I don't throw it out there, I forget what I'm going to say. So I've been, I have, I've been maybe hyper focus on not interrupting during our podcast but one of our things was as well going into this was it was going to be a conversation between two friends and two friends that are truly friends that love each other unconditionally interrupt each other and it's okay we don't take well, it right. personal. How, could I fin- how could i finish your sentences if i don't Right. No, we don't take it personal. And I think part of it, too, is the computer stuff, too. Yeah. <laughs> um, but how can I finish your sentences for you if I don't interrupt you? Right. Now, <laughs> I don't take it personal, but that doesn't mean someone else might not. Or might, they Absolutely. might take it personal. And so it shouldn't not be, I'm not going to, we're not going to say that it should be acceptable behavior all the time because you do have to be mindful of, being respectful of others for us where and when is important exactly for us this works and who yeah right like i'm not going to go into work and interrupt my boss because they're trying to when they're telling me about work i'm going to be quiet and listen until they're done and then say whatever i have to say so let me ask you a question what about nick because to me one of my worst habits in relationships has always been not listening to my partner and interrupting and cutting off what they were saying. When it comes to Nick, when it comes to your partner, I think it depends on who your partner is. There are some people like yourself, like me, who if you interrupt me, if I interrupt you, I will stop and respond to what you're saying because I understand that you have to get it out. There's other people in this world who feel very violated when they get interrupted. When they get interrupted, they feel as though they are being disrespected. They feel as though the person doesn't care about their opinion. Nick is one of those people. If I interrupt Nick, it does not matter what my reasoning for interrupting him is. 
he begins to feel as though I don't care about what he's saying. And I love him. I want him to know I care about what he's saying. Therefore, I do, I can't say I'm perfect, but I do try very, very hard not to interrupt him. And because he loves me and he knows that interrupting is something that I'm really, really bad about and working on, he tries really hard to be extra patient with me about it. Aw, good job, Nick. <laughs> now, I feel if we're, if we're having a serious conversation with our partner, let's say, let's say my partner and I, I don't have a partner, but if I had a partner and we were in an argument, and this is something that is, for me, on my wish list in a partner, is to be able to have a healthy air quote, adult conversation when we have a disagreement or instead of fighting, yelling and out is being able to step away and have a conversation. I do feel it is important to be able to let your partner speak and listen to hear what they are saying because when we do interrupt, like you said, it might come across that we're not listening. And so I think one of the biggest things I have learned in recovery has, is how to listen. I can, I can actually be on a sponsor call, sponsor sponsee call, and not say anything for the first 40 minutes. If they're just, blah, 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 I'll just sit there because maybe that's what they need. Maybe, you know, it depends on the, obviously there's context in there, but if somebody gets on a roll, maybe I just have to listen. And I think that's one of the, it's a very big gift that I was given with, with recovery was how to be able to listen. So if I were to call you and I'm in a spiral, sponsor, sponsee call, and, and I call you and I'm just going, 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 I'm blah, 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 blah. And you try to interrupt me and bring healthy living into it. I am not going to be able to hear you. Right. I have to spew all of that out. Because clearly I'm so full of other stuff that I cannot hear what I need. I can't take in my own stuff. That's why I'm spewing it out. So to interrupt and try to bring sense to it. And I think that that works for everything. Our children, Mm -hmm. our significant others, ourselves, right? If If I'm screaming and I'm crying and I'm having a panic attack and I start trying to talk sense into myself, that's not gonna work. If I'm arguing with my son or my daughters and I try to talk sense into them, that's not going to work. So, and if they try to talk sense into me, it's certainly not going to work. The only thing I could do is let them get out their frustrations, their irritations, their upset, their discord. Let them get it out. Let them feel it. Then we can talk about it. So if I'm interrupting in an argument or a fight, I'm not getting anywhere. You know, the whole time, this whole podcast... This one word has been just like slamming in my head. Mindful. The opposite of hypervigilance. It's the opposite of hyper. Mindfulness is power, not control. Power. Mindfulness is the ability to be okay in this moment, no matter what is happening out there. To be okay in here, as I point to my heart and my head, (laughs) no matter what is happening out there. And... Right. When I say power, I'm not talking about power outside of me. Power. It's yeah, because po- there's no such thing. Exactly. That's control. Mindfulness isn't, is powerful to me. In me, it's powerful. Isn't hypervigilance and hyperactivity and hyperalertness and hypercritical, all of these things that we talked about, hypersensitivity, aren't those all ways of control also? When I think of being hypervigilant, period, like that was the first word that pops in my head is control. It's just control. Even hyper alert is Hi- control. Hyperactive. Even, yes, even like, and that's controlling my thoughts. Like being hypersensitive even. I have to be, I have to be sensitive to other people's emotions. I have to know what's happening with everyone else. That's what being sensitive is, right? So should we say the word hyper? is control on some level yeah absolutely because that's the only common thing in in all of those words is hyper 
we talked earlier that all these words without the word hyper are healthy. They're good. So here's one that's going to throw you because not only is it control, it's also a lack of control. I get that, but explain that for the listeners. So hyper being control, being I'm doing these things to keep myself safe right? I, I'm aware of what's happening around me. I'm looking at others. I'm feeling others. I'm thinking others all to keep myself safe so I can be aware of my surroundings. That's all about controlling, right? Mm-hmm. And it is a total lack of control because I can't focus on me. I'm, I'm so focused on everybody else and I can't stop. Hyper is excessive. If I am being excessive, I'm not in control. And the only thing I can control or change or do anything about is me. And I honestly, I think I have to be very careful saying that to myself because the only thing I can control or do anything about is my actions. Yes. I can't control my thoughts. Yes, my thoughts begin to change as I focus on awareness and mindfulness. I focus on positivity and gratitude and all the good things. My thoughts begin to change, but I cannot control which thoughts pop in my head, nor can I control my emotions. I feel what I feel and that's how I feel, but I can control my actions. And I think that's a clear way to say it. I'm glad you, I'm glad you cleared that, clarified that because I think what I said was misleading. So I'm really- Well, and I hear a lot of people tell me that they think they can control. I don't want to be mad. Why am I mad? Because feelings are uncontrollable. You feel what you feel, honey. Feel it and let it go. For me, it's important because a lot of people talk about trying to control their thoughts and control their feelings. And I found freedom once I accepted that I had no control over my thoughts or feelings, but that I can pick and choose my actions. What I can- it's crazy how hypervigilance spun into all this. I know, right? <laughs> Well, again, thank you to the listener, the person that suggested hypervigilance. It was, I really enjoyed this one. I did not, and this was definitely one I'm like, in the beginning, I was like, you think you can talk about this? Because I wasn't overly like, but I think I needed to talk about it tonight. I, it was a really good one. So thank you. Thank you to the listener who suggested it. All right, Ashley, you want to wrap us up? Absolutely. It's been a wonderful conversation. I've had a great evening tonight. I I look forward to this every week. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you guys have a great week. Thanks, you too. Um, Listeners, make sure you check out the podcast every Tuesday. Have a great week. Bye, everybody. Bye. We would like to thank you for joining us on this journey of self-discovery. Visit the Work It website at workityouareworthit.com to submit your questions and topics for future episodes. And remember, work it because you are worth it.